0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Free Thought Podcast. I'm your co-host, Amelia Boudreau,
1: and I'm your other co-host, Chad Chow.
0: Today, we are going to be reacting to and giving our thoughts on a few of the major speeches given at the Democratic Convention. We have selected five that we will be watching. Firstly, let's go over Biden's speech. I, I, I don't know about you, Chad, but I've heard such good things about the speech. We can talk about it later, but I, I, after we watch it. But I've heard that it wasn't just a good Biden speech. It was a good speech in general. All right. Um, that was that was so good. That was literally... I don't know about you. I don't know what you think, but I think that was spectacular. We're, we can dive into it more, but I want to hear your opinion first.
1: Uh, it was definitely a really, really good speech. Um, he was... well. I guess first and foremost, he didn't stutter at all. Like,
0: yes, like people have head always head been
1: head. saying, like, oh, he can't speak or anything. This this really proves him wrong. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there was one point where he did stutter, but like, it's at least he didn't forget what he was saying. I did. Yeah. I did do some research about this earlier, even though we weren't really supposed to. <laughs> um, and I heard a couple of people say that. Um, it's just trump and especially fox news has set his public speaking bar so low because you know a lot of people expect him to be stuttering to like mess up so that like this this speech that he just gave like i guess the bar was low and so a lot i guess what they're saying is a lot of people think he did much better than he actually did but i think the content of the speech was uh really good uh there's no
0: denying that so sort of counterintuitively or like uh opposite to what they wanted them constantly slandering biden for his public speaking skills actually made the impression of this speech better on the american people
1: yeah yeah because everyone thinks he's gonna mess up and stuff like that and so actually it seems like it backfired but i don't know maybe they have another trick up their sleeve you can't really speak to them
0: yeah, personally, I took a lot of notes on it. I, obviously, you guys can't see this, but I'm holding up to the camera like a big page of notes and like scrolled out stuff. A uh, couple common themes that I saw were dignity, it, which is so important. I want to touch on that. He talked about dignity all the time. We were going to be re- returning this nation to dignity, hope, and passion. Was He said that a lot. And I think that's so, so effective for the people who are watching it because right now our, our, our country is in a state of – both disarray, but also, did we, as Michelle Obama said in her speech at the DNC, we're underperforming not only on matters of policy but on matters of character. And I think him saying dignity is super, super effective in that way because a lot of Americans want to return to the non-chaotic, organized civil America that they remember, um, but also with positive changes that we that are called for. Um, but yeah, I honestly watching that speech was so exciting. Literally, that was so good. And it wasn't just a good Biden speech. It was a good speech in general. Uh, He, in the beginning, was a little bit heavy on the Trump slander, which obviously, as he should be, that's how he's going to win the election, by just letting Trump talk and ruin it for himself. But, you know, just constantly Trump slander gets a little bit boring, but he did stray away from that. He went more to deeper themes and he actually talked about his policies a lot too, and not his policies, but he, he talked about what he was going to do, like his plans and stuff like that. And one a really effective part of the speech or one really memorable part of the speech said, he he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, uh, Trump has taken four years and he still doesn't have a plan. I do. And I think uh, conveying that attitude of actually being prepared, knowing what the American people needs and being able to implement plans that are effective is like so, so, so good for the American people to hear because for too long we've had a leader who just makes up plans on the spot. So yeah, I literally cannot, cannot say enough about that. Um, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you have any other things you want to note? Do you have like any parts of the speech that you remember, Chad?
1: Uh, well, he did, he did make, like, he, he said a lot of things along the lines of like, take my word, this is going to happen. And he he made many, many uh, phrases like that. And that just reminded me of when president Bush said, read my lips, no new taxes. I don't know if you've heard of that phrase, but that was a a big, uh, I guess, thing that happened when Bush was running. He said um, during the Republican national convention, um, read my lips, no new taxes and taxes did go up. And so, Um, I don't know. It just, it just reminded me of that moment.
0: Yeah. I I see what you're saying. Um, We should be wary of that, but at the same time, I don't think he did it as much as Bush would. But But yeah, no, it is definitely reminiscent of that. And that's something we need to be cautious of. However, I think it's no, at least through my eyes, it was in no way something that like stuck out to me and I, it was like worrying to me. Um,
1: Uh, He also said that like, it makes sense that like he wants to make, he said something along the lines uh, he wants to um, make the products that are sold in America, in America. And so essentially just make American jobs in America um, so that the American people aren't at the mercy of China and other country other foreign countries. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to point out uh, that Obama was, um, was one of those contributors that did, take a lot of American jobs and, um, place them in foreign areas. And that's a pretty, pretty strong argument. that uh, at least, at least Fox news uses. So. um,
0: It's Fox news, Chad, (laughs) but yeah, you do bring up a good point. I mean, sort of related to it. He did mention Obama at one point, he said, uh, in the beginning where he was a little bit heavy on Trump, uh, slander, which is fine. It wasn't that bad, but you know, definitely noticeable. Um, he brings up that Obama he said, we don't, we don't say this enough, but thank you so much, President, or Mr. President, he said, Uh, we, and that's, you were inspiring to so many people. And then, and then he said, that's not something we'll be able to say to this president. And honestly, I thought that was a little unnecessary. Like the Obama mention, it didn't really do anything for his speech. It didn't advance it. It kind of distracted from the point. So while it wasn't, detrimental didn't take away from the speech but it didn't add anything you know what i mean
1: i thought it was i I just thought it was kind of funny i didn't i i I didn't really in what way look as serious at it as you did but i i thought it was kind of funny
0: all right fair um Um, no sorry go ahead okay um one one thing that if i had to summarize the speech and give it and describe it in one word i would say inspiring uh because of a lot of things let me look at the notes that I took he used a lot of language like finding the light he one of the like most impactful phrases that he said was uh light beats dark or light outbalances dark or light can like take over dark or something like that he used a lot of light and dark metaphors he also um he he gave hope in a lot of the things he said he said what we're going through right now is not only a crisis it's an opportunity to rebuild so obviously no one's going to argue that the economic uh the economic strain that we're going through right now and COVID is good in any way. But he does say that maybe the fact that things are being torn down gives us an opportunity to rebuild them the way that we want to, which is what so many people want. I mean, even in the 2016 election, the reason that Trump garnered a lot of votes is because he represented change. He represented radical change for better or for worse. But a lot of people were sick of how America was running, especially after Obama, like people who didn't support Obama were sick of how America was running. And so when, Trump re- represented change that excited them. And so by Biden saying it's an opportunity, he used a lot of language around rebuilding, restructuring, removing, things like that, um, I think that's, that's exciting and inspiring to a lot of people.
1: I think, I think you pointing at that, out just points out how, I guess, how, like you said that a lot of Trump, like Trump got a lot of support because he wanted change and because he wanted to like, I guess, remove a couple of things that Obama did. And then Biden's essentially doing the same thing. He's preaching change. And then, you know, removing some of the things Trump did. This just sounds like our world is, or, or I guess our nation is just taking a step, a couple steps forward and then taking a couple steps back. Like, it mm-hmm. just doesn't sound that like, I guess we're not improving as well. Um, yeah, that's just something that...
0: Well, in my opinion, at least, and in, in the in opinion of many, sorry if this wasn't clear, the change that Biden is going to make is good change. It's not like...
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Ch- change is based on your where you stand. Like, sometimes yeah. change can be good, sometimes change can be bad. Can oh, wait. Be bad for person X can be good for person Y. Yeah. The thing is, like, where, like, politics in general is just we're the two sides are like very, very different. So when one side does something, the other side wants to, you know, either reform that or get rid of it and change it or something like that. But like, yeah, this is, this is just the way our government is, is set up. Like we're a very slow moving country.
0: I get what you're saying Out, You're saying, you're essentially expressing regret that, the presidential system runs in such a way that things are constantly being undone and redone and, cha- yeah. and a lot of things don't yeah. seem to stick.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get that. It's just
1: kind of annoying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get what you're saying. Also, um, yeah, no, to add on to the inspiring thing, he also said things like, we all have purposes in our lives. We've been given a purpose by God, regardless how you, however you feel about God. That's like a very rallying statement, considering that 80% of the U.S. believes in God and 60% is Christian. Like, that's a, that's a statement that appeals to many. Um, so yeah, no, the, just the very powerful language he used. And before we move on, one last uh, thing I want to bring up is he used a lot of, um, he sort of tried to unite people through empathy. And what I mean by that is at one point he mentioned that he talked to Gianna F- Floyd, I think that was her name, uh, George Floyd's daughter. And he, 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 sa- he says in his words, she told me something that I could never forget. And she said to me, um, my uh, my dad changed the world. My dad changed the world. And regardless of how you feel about George Floyd, that idea that a child and, and hold on, let me preface this by saying everyone should be mourning for George Floyd. There is no two sides to this. George Floyd was unjustly killed. But you know, people can have crazy opinions about whatever. Um, but anyways, yeah, no, she she he talked about what his daughter said, and even even people who are seem to be heartless in this whole thing, and for and are for some reason blaming Floyd. I don't know. There are crazy people, and it's can, it's worthy of being condemned, but, you know, even people who are being unreasonably harsh on the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the criminal justice reform and George Floyd can sort of see, um, sort of connect to that or not relate, but everyone can see the appeal of a child by talking about their father in that way. And so he used a lot of, uh, not anecdotes, but a lot of parts in his speech where he, he, he just really talked about very simple things that evoke empathy in people which was very very smart in terms of uh uniting people because people tend to unite around things that they feel empathetic towards so yeah this is totally separate but just popped in my head and and another point biden also says um, he also says to those of you sorry i want to back up A, a, a huge common theme of this speech was COVID. He talks a lot about COVID and a lot about the death toll and just the amount of people with cases and how poorly President Trump has handled it. And at one point he says, to those of you who have lost relatives, I know you're experiencing a dark hole in your heart. And he he uses very evocative emotional language to describe the pain that a lot of families are feeling uh, because of lost relatives. And I think that was really, really, really effective. I've said effective so many times, but truly (laughs) a lot of the devices used in the speech were effective for a specific reason. And that is, it's very important for a president or a presidential nominee to humanize themselves as well as coming across as a strong, uh, well, uh, well-versed, uh, prepared candidate for the presidency. They also have to come off as an empathetic yeah, empathetic, um, kind person. Because people, people, people don't just want to see a hardcore, uh, robotic politician. And he, by sympathizing with families who have lost people, and also mentioning the fact that he, he's lost a lot of family in a car crash, uh, he kind of created a, a human bond rather than a president to citizen bond, which was also uh, commendable. I, I, th- I honestly thought he. All of the aspects of this speech were very, very well thought out.
1: You made a great point. Now we're going to move on to Kamala Harris, uh, whose speech was also pretty good from what I've heard.
0: I'm excited because uh, this will be one of the first speeches she's given as a as the vice presidential nominee. So let's watch it. So how about we first summarize the speech sort of in our own words. Chad, what are, what are some things you noticed or what were like parts that stood out to you?
1: Uh, well, for the first six minutes... Uh, I at least I heard it was just a summary of her life and the amount of, you know, hard work, especially her mother has done to get to where she is, and you know, like a summary, a summary of her own career, and then at, around the six-minute mark, she finally says, like, "I accept your the nomination" or something like that. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like finally like it it seemed a little drawn out at least i felt i mean i'm pretty tired right now so it could be because of that um i felt overall the speech wasn't as i guess effective or inspiring or i mean it was it was it definitely had inspiring tones but it didn't seem as genuine as biden's did if that makes any sense you know
0: I agree with you. To, yeah. Let me address that point. But first, I want to address the whole like by all biography she gave.
1: Yeah.
0: Honestly, I totally see how you thought how why you feel like that. I, but personally, that's not how I feel. I think a lot of people before she got the vice presidential nomination just had no idea what she was, what she, who she was, or what types of things she fought for. I mean, a lot most people had heard of her, but you know, like she people she's yeah. Yeah. public yeah. consciousness now because of her, uh, elevated status, her, her nomination. So, yeah, it was, I do think it was kind of necessary to provide a little bit of story around her because you can't always trust that all of America, as soon as they hear Kamala Harris has been nominated is going to go take two hours to research her whole history, you know? Um, but also her talk telling her like sort of story of her young life definitely, um, conveyed that she's family oriented, which people like it appeals to people. Uh, she talked a lot about the, the values that her mom instilled in her, which is great because, you know, that, that, that appeals to people. And it shows, it, again, it humanizes someone it, he, in the way that Biden was humanized by talking about, like, the tragedy he had experienced. Kamala was humanized by talking about the, the values that her mother has instilled in her and her young childhood in, in general. To address your second point, though, um, about how it didn't feel as genuine or as inspiring, I actually agree with that. And per- and I'm trying to figure out if the reason it didn't feel as authentic was because she did a bad job at conveying that she's authentic or because she was actually inauthentic. I'm trying to figure out if she actually was, like, actually was inauthentic in who she was, or that's just the way it came across. Either way, yeah, I don't think it was as um, – What's the word I'm looking for? I guess I could say inspiring. It wasn't as, yeah. you know, it didn't get people up and excited. But yeah. it did its job. I think it was a good speech, not an exceptional speech.
1: Yeah, it, it, it definitely kept, like, not on the same level as Biden. Biden's speech. Uh, I did, one one big difference between the two speeches was that um, Kama was smiling the entire time and then Joe's, speech and then, uh Biden's speech he smiled maybe like once or twice or something like that. So I guess um, it, it, I don't know if it made a big difference, but I don't know. That was the first thing that I noticed, at least. Maybe that's just me. It's probably I don't, me. I it
0: was the whole time, but she did smile a couple times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, um, she, I mean, she, the content of her speech was inspiring itself. It's just what we're trying to address is the tone wasn't as inspiring.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah, she did. She did bring up a lot of things. Um, She, I guess her biggest, the one, the point that she brought up that stood out the most to me was her describing racism as a virus. And I actually got kind of confused when she described it as a virus. I thought she was talking about COVID, but she was talking about racism. And um, she said that racism has no vaccine. You you got to do the work. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that was the, biggest point that uh i i took out of it
0: yeah no i definitely that's a good thing to point out she talked a lot about racism and specifically she she talked about institutional racism or i think she called it structural racism which is important when a huge fraction fraction of the country still doubts that systemic racism is even real when it's been proven obviously but it's important to have a, a candidate that acknowledges i think too often presidential candidates or even just anyone in Uh, high up positions of power in our government are reluctant to acknowledge the problems from the inside. They'll acknowledge the problems in our society, they'll acknowledge the problems in our world, they'll acknowledge the problems in our neighborhoods, but they won't acknowledge the actual problems in our government and and in the justice system and things that are part of law enforcement. And so the fact that she was willing to acknowledge that, especially given her past, was encouraging, at least to me, and I'm sure to people who think in uh, similar ways to me, I am, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad she pointed out not just like, you know, like white supremacist riots and, and police brutality, but she also pointed out the actual institutional racism, things that are more implicit than explicit as like, uh, like, uh, undeniably racist acts, like saying the N word or things like that. Um, because for too long, implicit or, uh, systemic racism has been swept under the rug while we deal with like, uh, racism that happens from a person-to-person basis. So yeah, I'm glad that she pointed that out.
1: I mean, also, I just wanna uh, make, make a point. Uh, she also needs to make her stance on, you know, systemic racism and criminal justice and um, topics that, uh, that orbit around um, those ones very clear because of her, uh, I guess, because of what she did Uh, Um, especially with criminal justice and, you know, um, putting a lot of these people in jail. So she does need to make that very, very clear. Yeah. Uh, So I think that's one of the reasons why she talked so, so heavily about, uh, those, those topics.
0: Yeah. Because in general, her stance around that is pretty foggy because people know that her opinions have at least changed, but she hasn't voiced them very well, or at least very often. Yeah, so, yeah. Sticks in people's minds the most is the the top cop <laughs> idea of her
1: yeah uh.
0: um, one more thing i want to point out obviously this is going to be something that we see through, this is something that is seen throughout the entire dnc and that is talking about covid it's one, it's like arguably the biggest or one of the biggest if not the biggest issues uh biggest issue that we're facing so yeah she talked about covid she talked about how the current administration is uh allowing lives to be lost she didn't Talk uh, about Trump as much as Biden did, but you know, she did mention him a couple times.
1: Oh, I, I I personally thought that she talked about Trump a little more. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that was just from me, but maybe oh. maybe not.
0: In any case, uh, at least it wasn't noticeable to me, but maybe I just missed it. Anyways, um, one thing that she did say is she said, "None of us are free until all of us are free," which reminds me, it's a, it's sort of for school what two one two years ago i we had to read the martin luther one of martin luther king's books why we can't wait and there are a lot of quotes in there that are uh that are kind of similar to injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere so sort of recognizing that like we can't again this comes back to something i said earlier sort of recognizing that we can't sweep things under the rug because until everyone is free no one is free was encouraging for to hear her say like, sorry, I brought up Martin Luther King. It probably seems sort of out of sorts, but what I was trying to say there was that it reminds me of a couple of the quotes from the book. And in no way am I trying to compare Kamala Harris to Martin Luther King. God knows they're extremely different, have huh. very different standards. But some of the phrasing is all I was trying to draw a comparison from.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. Um, I think, I think you summed up Harris's speech pretty well. I don't really have much more to add. All right. Mm-hmm you have another point
0: no Uh, i think we did a good uh, good job now we're gonna move to a a very short speech it was only a bit about a minute and a half and it's uh aoc speech and i'm excited for this one i haven't seen it yet so okay so um for such a short speech there was so much there's so much content to talk about i mean she 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 touched on so many things in just a minute and a half uh chad what are your immediate reactions to that
1: Yeah. I don't know if it was just me, but I, I had to rewatch that a couple of times because she went over so much in such a short amount of time. Like you said, in, in just 90 seconds, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, she did talk about a lot of things that she specifically stands for. Um, a lot of things like Medicare for all, uh, called like prepaid colleges, um, and you know, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of, I guess, things that social democrats stand for, you know?
0: Um, well, yeah, let's talk about what those things actually are. She mentioned racism, homophobia, and misogyny. She mentioned immigration. She mentioned form- foreign policy. She mentioned class inequity, as in the, the, the richer just constantly getting richer by stepping on the poor. Uh, like you said, she mentioned Medicare for all. She mentioned systemic solutions, again, shining light on the fact that uh, a lot of the problems fall in the systems themselves. Uh, she also mentioned mass incarceration and the problem with the prison system. And, um, yeah, so essentially mainly fo- focusing on immigration, foreign policy, and race, and racial justice, which is so important. It's so great. Again, uh, or not again, something that I noticed, she didn't mention COVID. If, if, if she did, I missed it. But do you think she mentioned COVID? I, I didn't hear her mention COVID.
1: Uh I
0: don't, I don't know. Which is uh, is fine. She gave a really short speech and all the other people did. I don't think it was like a a box she needed to check or anything, Mm -hmm. but to sort of give the listeners an idea, if you haven't watched it already, she sort of went on and listed a bunch of problems that our America currently is facing. And then, um, yeah, that was, that was basically the speech again. It was super, super short. I'll say something about her execution. She's a very, very eloquent speaker
1: yeah i didn't really see the point of this it didn't really add anything to i in my opinion it didn't really add anything to biden other than the fact that uh i guess burn people who support bernie and people who support aoc are now going to support biden because that was a big problem in uh the 2016 election a lot of biden supporters i mean not biden bernie supporters sorry Bernie supporters just didn't vote for Clinton, and that was a big problem back in 2016. Um, and so, I guess this is Biden's way to get those get those supporters on his side.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it didn't obviously with a longer speech is way easier to make your point clear and make your um, purpose of your speech uh, more evident two-year listeners. I don't think it was a bad speech in any way. I actually think it was a really good speech and she did a lot in one minute, which is impressive. But obviously, it's not going to be the most uh, the most fundamental or the most critical or crucial speech of the, old, of the entire DNC. It was nice for her to make an appearance, though, because, like you said, garnering support for more uh, from for, for farther left voters is good for, her, for Biden. Should we move on? All right. So, next up, we're going to be watching... We're close to the end. We're going to be watching Barack Obama's speech, so let's watch that now. So we just finished watching the Barack Obama speech. Um, Chad, what are your like immediate reactions or reflections or what are your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, he talked a lot about democracy. He talked, like, I don't know if it was just me, but he he talked a lot about the Constitution. Not, or not necessarily the Constitution, but just the U.S. as a democracy and how it's yeah. evolved over the years and stuff like that. Um, in the beginning, he did talk about um, decency and empathy and Biden and, you know, kind of just saying that like, oh, he he, he described um, Biden as like, you know, describing him more as a family man and that he cares about every single one of the Americans. And so I guess that's like we said, like like you said before, um, it's, it's appealing to, it's connecting to the general population, not from, I guess, a presidential candidate to the person, but as just, you know, a person to another person.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah I, I, I think those were uh, the big ideas.
0: My, so I think in total, he talked about three main topics. One was the Constitution, American values, and bring it, he brought it back to the very beginning and what this country was built on or the, founded on. Then he talked about Joe Biden, especially his character, but he also did talk about his policies and how Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have policies and ideas. And they, and he talks about his experience with the economy, helping him bring America out of the recession, and all that. Um, and then the last thing he talked about was mainly racism and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, which is also extremely important. But let's talk about the first thing first. Um, you did t- briefly mention that he t- brought up the Constitution which is true. He brought up the constitution. He brought up the values that were instilled into this nation in the beginning, which was a smart move on his part. And also he brought up democracy, Uh, not only because they're important by any standard uh, and and, and they're great Uh, things to measure where we are now against, but also because he'll appeal to traditionalists and traditionalists who are very like obsessed with the constitution and what this country was built on tend to be either moderate or right-leaning because, you know, the left is very, very centered around progress. So a lot of the times they, being a traditionalist and being on the left or far left don't really go well together. So bringing up even people on the left or, you know, he's not the most like, radical left but you know he is on the left bringing up the fact that people on the left are also concerned with the constitution and are also concerned with you know the very founding of this country it provides a comfort to those to the people who are sometimes worried with with all the progress that the left wants to make say what you want about those people i don't agree with them i think that progress is exactly what's needed but that is how they think and so it's smart of him to bring that up and appeal to them
1: The first one is um he did talk a lot about you know how our democracy has evolved and the steps that were taken to become more like a democracy, and also the steps that were you know the steps that were harmful to our democracy but I didn't really see his overall point he was trying to make I think here's I, I think he's trying to make the point that Biden cares about. Every single person in this country, I—that's I, at least that was my reading of of his purpose of going into that entire in, into the history of democracy. I didn't really see it that effective. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I guess
1: he could have used his time to, like, I don't know, talk about Biden. Maybe I—I I don't know, but I—I I didn't see it too effective.
0: I actually disagree. I think he was really effective. I think, yeah, he was trying to sort of sell Joe Biden to voters. However, I think his main point, his main overarching theme was, among other things, this was one of the main overarching themes, was that uh, Joe Biden would bring us back to the America, to, to the idea of what America should be in the Constitution. He will bring us back to where we started, our roots. Not in the bad ways. He did, he also can, he can, didn't he condemn slavery in this? Like, uh, not in the not the toxicities of where uh, how our America used to be, but his main point was to bring us back to the values like freedom, courage, uh, you know, respect, dignity. He was his point was that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would bring America back to our core values. I should have been more clear. Um,
1: spending like eight minutes on that is a little, I uh, don't, it's a little much at least for me, but. I don't think I that, that is, yeah, I, I, I can
0: see that. main uh, point. Yeah, and then also uh, racism, which obviously we've seen in every speech. Yeah, every speech, every single person we we watched speeches of today has mentioned racism, and as they should, it's extremely relevant. And um, yeah, honestly, Grover's speech—he's again, just like um, AOC, he's a very eloquent speaker. He's he's uh, a slow, clear speaker, but not you know you know you know not too slow. And overall, I think we can now just move to our general reflections on the DNC speeches or the DNC as a whole. How do you, th- what, what was, after watching those four speeches, what, what, what thoughts do you have?
1: I mean, I don't really think you can, you know, summarize or give our thoughts about the DNC as a whole by just those four speakers. Um, there, ha- there are some things that were in the DNC that are a little uh, like questionable. I guess it's the best way to put it. Um, but these four speeches, of course, they're from pretty prominent people. So they're going to be good speeches. Um, it's, I guess, Harris's speech wasn't, as I ex- wasn't, like, was the only speech that I didn't really expect, especially with her tone. Like, she was, she's a lawyer. And I don't know, like, in the, like in the Kavanaugh trial, she was like really passionate, like you could actually hear it in her voice, but it just wasn't present in, in, in the DNC speech, which is, I don't know, it was a little surprising to me considering uh, her experience in public speaking, but I don't know. Um, all the other speeches, uh, I guess Biden's speech, he was a lot more calm than I would have expected uh, he was really calm and collected. He, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, they were just good speeches.
0: My thoughts are all of the speeches were very well done. I think, yeah, some were better than others. I think that by far the best was Joe Biden's, which before watching the DNC, that's not some, something I thought I would have said. I thought I thought I was going to, I was really scared. He was going to give a speech that allowed, that gave Republicans ammo on like calling him dementia ridden. And, um, you know, I, I really was really worried that there was going to be things that he said that Republicans were used to weaponize against him, especially in terms of his stutter and all that. Um, but I honestly thought his was the most moving, most inspiring, uh, most gripping, most compelling. So, yeah, that was my favorite in terms of overall feelings. I I looked at AOC. Uh, she she did an interview where she talked about her, her thoughts on the um, DNC. And she said that she definitely noticed in general it was more aimed towards moderate voters it was aimed towards getting undecided or moderate or even right leaning or centrist voters uh, to vote blue which you know you could argue that that's not where it should have been targeted but for the most part i think that that was a smart t- decision i like their speakers i wasn't sure we we didn't watch this one but bill clinton spoke and that was a little bit of an odd choice <laughs> um it was a little bit of an odd choice to get bill clinton to speak but in any case as um, a whole, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I, I thought the speeches that we watched, especially, were the greatest. In general, though, what do you think that the that um, the, the American people or the people who watch the DNC are going to take away from it? What are some things that do you, do you think will be in people's heads?
1: I think. Uh, I think the DNC itself. Uh, I I know that not many people watched it. It was like what twenty one or twenty two million Americans watched it out of you know, our population of, I think it's 330 million. So not a lot of people watched it. And um, I guess not a lot of people will take the time to, you know, sit down and uh, watch every single, not every single, yes, every single speech. Um, I think.
0: Right. But what about the ones that did?
1: I mean, the ones that did. Yeah. Of course they're going to like,
0: what is the effect of of the DNC on the people who actually watched it? Mm, i
1: mean it's it it is very very hard to change someone's opinion i think um like you can talk about it and debate about it all you want but i think most people at the end of the day they're still going to stick with who who they want to vote for or you know i guess stick with the person that they initially uh supported um i think we we also have to take in consideration if these people if these people who watch the DNC are also going to watch the RNC, and I guess that would uh, ultimately dictate who they're going to vote for. Um, I think right now, as of now, because the DNC has happened and the RNC hasn't happened, uh, I guess I would expect a lot of people who don't know who they're voting for or um, aren't going to vote uh, vote for the democrats or vote for biden um just because you know I, I i haven't heard the arguments that the rnc has made and i haven't heard you know all the arguments that the, 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 the dnc support you know um but yeah i think the people who are who don't know who they're going to vote for and um are in the middle right now they would vote for the democrats that seems uh, pretty logical um but i guess we have to see whose argument is going to be stronger in the RNC.
0: Honestly, I think that those, all of those speeches were really, really effective. And I think that they're going to win um, over more votes. I don't, I don't mean win the election. Though obviously, we, we can't know who's going to win. But I think do think that they're going to win more votes, especially Joe Biden's speech, especially Obama's speech, especially some of the speeches we didn't watch. But yeah, no, I honestly think those were very well put together. I think... Yeah, no, I I really do think that that's going to win over undecided or centrist or moderate voters.
1: Yeah, but then again, they all they also haven't seen the RNC, so you know, right? But I mean, like,
0: again. a lot, more like in the polls, and I know people are like, oh, the polls aren't trustworthy, but seriously, like, uh, Biden has a bigger lead in the polls than Hillary yeah. did. Yeah, um, like more people are turning away from Trump, and so I don't necessarily think watching the RNC will make everyone who is going to vote for Joe Biden and vote for Trump all of a sudden. I seriously do think that this convention was extremely effective in winning votes. And obviously we'll see what happens in polls and also in the election, the the ultimate test. But um, I I think this is, obviously I have criticisms of it. I don't think it was perfect, but I think it was very effective.
1: Yeah, and I just wanted to point out that this year's DNC um, was roughly, like the amount of people who watched was only like, it went down 18% from 2016. And so there were only like 22 million viewers this year. And so not many, like compared to our, compared to the nation's population, not many people actually watched it. And so I think most of them who like want to take the time out of their day to, you know, learn something, they're probably going to take it from like news sources that are covering this that give like 10 minute videos or just like i guess while they're driving home they're just gonna listen to the radio and you know listen to the summaries that those um people give that that the reporters give and i think those summaries are much much different than um the actual speeches other than the obvious but it's just the what what were you gonna say
0: no sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off continue it's just
1: like <clears throat> they don't, it, It's it, it's much much different, as I said, and I don't know. It as a whole, I think the DNC wasn't too successful, successful in like giving their opinion out there or something.
0: Well, let me offer a different perspective. So I actually just threw that I think it was pretty successful, but let me offer, maybe this, obviously I don't know this. This is a purely speculation on my part. Maybe the reason there was a lower turnout is because a lot of people have already decided they're voting for Biden because Trump is so, I mean, so magnificent yes, that it's a clear decision that we need to settle for Biden. Uh, because if I were to try and and obviously, again, this is speculation. If I were to try and guess why people watch conventions, it's to learn more, right? It's to—it's not just to hear it, uh, w- what they want to hear over and over again. I mean, surely that's some people, but a lot of people watch DNCs or DNC, the DNC and the RNC to learn more before the election, and that's where it's like sort of a, uh, other than the, the debates, it's a place where you uh, learn more and you see your candidates put to the test. Yeah. You well, know. so maybe the reason that lower numbers turned out is because this is not as much of a, a close-tied race where people are like, oh my God, Biden or Trump, Biden or Trump. Like a lot of the people who we watch speeches from today said, you probably already made your decision. But even Barack Obama said that in his speech, you probably already made your de- decision that if I can sway your decision, it, uh, here I am trying. So I think that in a race that where things are so polarized, maybe less people are watching because there's less wiggle room for candidates and people's stances on certain candidates.
1: And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, feel free to email us at thefreethoughtpodcast at gmail.com. That's thefreethoughtpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.
0: Thank you.